I'm excited to be here this morning. I can't tell you all the time that I'm excited to get up in front of you and give you a message, but this message has been dealt with me this week. And that's the reason I put my camp shirt on. I was around all our kids, I was around kids from other churches, and I was around good deans that knew their Bible, that really helped us think, that really helped us study God's Word this week, and I'm excited to be here. I'm overflowing. My message, you'll know, will do a lot of Bible today because, man, God's truth comes out of His Word. It's not always my Word, but it's God's Word. And God's Word is strong. It's able to penetrate, okay? And that's what I'm hanging on to today. That's the reason I wanted to start that off that way because a lot of us don't think we're worthy to be used by Christ. You are a masterpiece. You were bought with a great price. And camp this week... It was meeting needs and sharing Christ. I want to tell you at camp this week, we did things a little differently. We had the same colors. We did all the same things. But one thing we did differently this week is we took an outreach experience on, which I was excited for. I think we need to teach our kids how to do, how to live a Christian life. And they need to see it modeled by their adults, and they need to be stretched. And they were stretched this week because every kid was saying, Hey, we're going to have evangelism and we're going to share Christ. We're going to meet needs first, but we're going to share Christ. And they did. And we had several people at camp this week give their life to Christ. It wasn't just the campers. It was people in Greenville. And that was what was so exciting that we got to be the church in Greenville. And uh, we came from all different places to be the church, just like on mission. And so I'm excited to be here before you today. And I'm going to employ the use of a couple of young men to read some scriptures this morning. But before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Amy's song. We're standing on holy ground. And what makes that holy is you. And Heavenly Father, what gives us value was you. You created us in your likeness. You created us each for a relationship with you. Help us to see that we're not put on this earth to make ourselves happy. We're not put on this earth to do what we want to do. We're put here to glorify you. Just as the stars are in the sky. Just as the grass that comes out. Just as the flowers are on the plant. They all give you glory. Because you are the creator. Help us to realize you didn't create junk. You put it together, you knitted it together for one specific purpose, to glorify you. Help me today as we open your word to glorify you. And I just pray that your gospel message will go out and might change lives here and on the radio today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, as we get started this morning, I hope you got your Bibles. Uh, Rick. Can you get up uh, Matthew 9.36 for me? And as he's doing that, I like to have my Acts guy, Acts 3, 1 through 16. All right. I got Isaiah coming up here. He's going to read. Let me get you a mic. If you would, church, this is our theme of our camp this year, and it was Matthew 9, 36. It's a very familiar passage, if you'll just read that with me. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them, because they were weary and worn out, like sheep 
without a shepherd. Man, isn't that us? I catch myself at summertime running from one event to another, to another, to another. So many times, the reason I'm doing that is because, not because Brent wants to, it's because I have compassion in what I do. I have compassion that other people see Jesus in my life during the summertime when they're free. And I want my youth to grow, and this is a great time for me to spend extra time with them. Tracy gets to suffer. My kids suffer a little bit, but right now they're all going with me most of the time. But, uh, man, this is the way we show compassion. This is our verse that our pastor used to kind of help us show compassion. Acts 3, 1 through 16. Isaiah, would you uh, read that verse for us, please? One day... Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man, crippled from birth, was being carried to the temple gate, called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had, not, though he had decided to let him go. You disown the Holy and Righteous One and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know is made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Awesome. Thank you, Isaiah. Powerful scripture. We're called in Acts 1 to be his witnesses as we go out, to give testimony of what's happened in each one of our lives. If you're a Christian, there should have been a change in your life. You should have been the one, like the lame man at the gate, waiting for Jesus to do something in your life, waiting for him to heal us. See, we had a very bad disease. We were dead. We were created for... A relationship with Jesus Christ. And I couldn't do that because I was a corpse. We all were. Folks, that's the thing these kids don't understand sometimes. Hey, the most important thing is to know where you're at. We need to know where we start. I didn't have to take Trenton and McKenzie and teach them how to do wrong. Okay? I didn't have to do that. I didn't say, Trenton, this is how you lie, son, okay? I didn't tell McKenzie, hey, 
This is how you pull the wool over somebody's eyes. Okay? Did any parent out there have to teach their kids how to do that? No. It's part of my nature. It's part of my dead nature. It's part of my nature that's not like Christ. And I can't carry on a relationship with a holy God when I have a corpse. Okay? I got a interesting thing here. Peter, of all people, is the one that sees this guy at the gate. Peter, guys. Which guy in the story stepped out of the boat, took about two steps and sunk, stuck out his hand, Jesus rescued him. Which man said, hey, Jesus, I'll always walk with you. I'll be right by your side. I'll be your best follower. And then Peter denied him three times before the cop crowed. He was awful low. But God said, hey, upon that rock, I'm going to build my church. And that's what he knows about Jesus. That's what we all know about Jesus. It's that faith in Jesus Christ that he can take care of us. Jesus came to him one more time after the resurrection. He was on the shore. He just gave them a bootload of fish again to prompt their memory. Peter couldn't wait for the boat to go ashore. The man is not walking on water, but he's swimming in. Okay? He goes, I know that man. That man is Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He said it again. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Guys, this was Peter. He was there. He was walking by. I don't know how many times he walked by that place. But it says in my word that this man was known for sitting at the entrance and begging for alms. Begging for help. Begging for silver or for gold. All the time. People would give it to him. But guys, when they gave him the silver and gold, guess what? The next day, he still needed more. It didn't satisfy. A lot of times in this world, we think, hey, if I get this or if I get that, I'll be satisfied. If I can just feel a little better today, I'll be better. Guys, we're talking about a disease that's hit each one of us, and that's that sin. That's a deadness. I hate to tell you, before we know Jesus, we're all dead. Okay? But Peter saw him. He said, silver or gold have I none. But one thing. You remember this is after the Holy Spirit came down. Peter saw Jesus do this many times. He said, hey, rise up. Walk. Sammy did a great job in this. He goes, man, this guy just didn't go. Thanks, Peter. We'll see you later. Hallelujah, man. I'm walking. He's, man, walking without a limp. Hey, Jairus, he's jumping, baby. And them legs never worked before. He's been that way since he was born. He was going to town. He got something that day that he's been searching for his whole life.
hey, I got something one day when I was seven years old that I was searching for. And that gift's just getting better and better and better. And I keep learning each day that I need to take a little bit more faith in my Lord Jesus Christ and walk a little bit taller and meet some more needs and share what he's doing in my life because that's what makes a difference in this world. Amen? Because he did a miracle in my life. I'm not a walking corpse anymore. I'm a child of God. And I'm excited, just like when we sing these songs, I'm excited for one day. One day, guys, I'm going to get to meet him in the sky. One day I'm going to get to be at his feet. And that's what matters most. We just don't get it sometimes. You see that in this thing here too. These people saw this man clinging to Peter and John as they went into the temple. They were clinging to him. Staying with him. And everybody else was amazed. He goes, hey, don't be amazed at me and John. We didn't do a thing. The guy you guys put on the cross is the one that did it. It's not in my power. And then he gives this name. In the name of Jesus, he was healed. In the name of Jesus. I got one more thing I want to share with you. This is a long story. Trey, would you make your way up? This comes out of the book of John. I want you to see a few things in the book of John about this story about Lazarus. You all know the story. Follow along in your text. I want to bring out a few things in this story. Yeah, John 10. Or John 11, I think is what it is. Yeah, John. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, The sickness will not end in death. No, it is not for God's, for it is for, my bad. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Oh, whoa. Read that one more time, just those few words. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. All right. This sickness Lazarus had, how bad was it, guys? It's bad. It's going to end in death. Okay? But God said, hey, it's not going to end there. He's going to glorify me. All right? And that's my job is to glorify him. That's your job to glorify him. What that looks like is up to you. Let's go on and finish this story. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he is two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you were going back there. Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, 
Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking to, speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there so that you may not believe, <clears throat> but let us go to him. Oh. Did you catch that? Jesus talking. He is dead, for I am glad that he is dead. I am glad for you guys to see him dead. Wow. I thought Jesus was supposed to have compassion, didn't you? But hey, hold on to the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey says. Here we go. Then Thomas said to the rest of his disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When, when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and then the Jews, who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he has loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, yeah, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you were always here for me, but I said this for you, for your for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Man, is that not the gospel? He was glad that he had this opportunity to show that what's going to happen when he comes back from the grave. He's got power over death. He's got power over my death. Okay? And as you see, 
when he stepped forward, he said, Lazarus. Hey, I'm glad he said Lazarus. Because if he just said, come forward, can you think of all the people in the graves that would have come forward that day? Amen. He's got that much power. But he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus did. Guys, our lives seem like Lazarus someday. We've been laying there for four years. We've been laying there for 40 years. We've been laying there for 60 years, dead as a doornail. But God knows, hey, I got a purpose for the reason I made that guy. I got a purpose for the reason I made that lady. And it's to glorify me. I didn't ask them to walk a perfect life. I just asked them to believe that I have the power to use them. I just asked them to believe that I have the power over death. That when I say, Lazarus, come forth, he's going to come forth. Guys, it's not on works. It's a belief that Jesus is who he said he is. And that he is able to do what he needs to do in us and through us. That's the whole gospel. But so many times we sell it short because you've all seen me. I've had my kids stand up here on the stage. I've even blindfolded them before and said, hey, do you trust your dad? Do you trust me? And I'll stand right in front of them and I'll push them back. And I say, I don't want you to catch yourself. But guys, they never hit the ground. Because this dad doesn't want to hurt his kids. I just want them to know that their dad loves them. And you will know them because of the love that's in their heart. When God does something in us that changes us from dead to alive, there's a love in each one of us. There's something different than the world has. That hate the world seems to think we have for them isn't hate. It's a love that they would find what's most important. When I go to New Orleans, and I want to throw it open to all the men in this room. Hey, me and Dan were down there. We can testify of this. We told each one of those people, God loves you. Jesus died for you. Guys, they accepted it. They listened. Then the last day, we prayed to cross right down Bourbon Street, walking two by two to cross in front of us. The idea is not to say a word. Our testimony's been all week long. We street preached, we evangelized, we did it all. But that one night, we don't say a word. We just wear our red hats walk behind the cross, push our way through the crowd. And guys, when they see the cross and they see those red hats and they know our message of love, they go, hey, why don't you tell us Jesus loves us? Hey, I'm not doing anything wrong. Conviction. Because these are dead people. They know what life is. The strangest thing, guys... If I wouldn't have seen it, I wouldn't have believed it. Get a crowded street corner. Stand at that street corner and prop that Bible open and just start reading God's word. People disappear. People don't want to listen. They're gone. 
The other thing is, when I stand that cross up there on Bourbon Street, just standing across there, the difference it makes. Man, if you ain't experienced anything like that in your life, come experience it. It's life. I was scared to death. But man, I know where I'm going. Tracy won't have enough money to live on, but she's got a little bit. Hey, do you understand? I got more of a life in my hereafter than I do here and now. Do you understand? The angels want to do what I'm doing. Proclaiming his name, his word, having compassion on people, just as my Savior did. The woman at the well. What happened there? Hey, we caught this lady in the act. It's wrong. Let's stone her. It says in Moses, man, that good law we have in your word, it says, let her have it. Jesus, what do you want us to do? (laughs) He pauses for a minute. And he says, hey, let the one without sin cast the first stone. And he kneels down in the sand. And I wonder what he wrote. And everybody dropped their stone and went off doing something else. And it left Jesus and the lady caught in adultery. And he says, where did all your accusers go? They left. Go and sin no more. Guys, that's power. That's the gospel. I'm glad I'm alive for this time in this life. Like Esther, for such a time as this. Are you ready to stay in church? Are you ready to have compassion? Because that's what he calls us to. He didn't call me to get saved and go live in a big mansion here on earth. He didn't call me to get saved and, man, do whatever I wanted to do. My freedom of choice, guys, I want to serve him. Because he loves me so much. I wish you could get a glimpse of just how much he loves you. There's a tale of an auction. A famous violin was found. This violin was old and dirty, trashed, no strings on it. This violin was going up for auction. Somebody did a little bit of research. They went to the auction. The old auctioneer put it off to the last. He goes, man, nobody wants that piece of junk. He holds up the violin. Who'd give me a dollar? Who'd make it two? Who'd make it three? Come on, give me a bid for this old violin. Guys, sometimes that's me. Sometimes that's the way I look at myself. I'm not worth much. I need to glorify my Savior. And when I do that, I become valuable. This old violin goes a thousand. Who'd make it two? Who make it three? Three thousand dollars once, 
twice, who'd make it more? That's the value he sees in you and that relationship you're supposed to have with him. Because by you glorifying God, by you walking that life with Jesus, you're going to touch somebody else's life. The only sadness I got is knowing America. And the abortion, all these kids we put to death. How much did that change salvation? What kid was supposed to reach somebody? God's got value in life. And I'm glad I'm here for such a time as this. Amen? I have a treasure in my heart that the world can't buy with silver or gold. The world can't take away what I have in my heart. If you know anything about the Gospel of Acts, Peter has to give an account for his life all the time. But it always came back, hey, I'm going to serve the Lord. I don't want to be crucified like he was. I'm not worthy of that. I want to be crucified upside down. But they killed him for talking about Jesus Christ, for sharing his life with the world, what he was supposed to glorify, how he was supposed to glorify the Lord. Guys, to me, I'm a baseball fan. I'm a sports fan. I love it. There's something I love more, my Jesus Christ. And if we can get that passion taught to our kids, what a difference that will make. If we can get that passion talked to, how you lead somebody to the Lord, man, it's going to make a difference. I don't know if Chris Keating's sitting here today, but man, I remember that young man in the youth group. He was all the time bugging this youth pastor. He was all the time going, doing stuff that wasn't hurtful. But it was what he was created to do. And then one time, we trained the young man on how to share faith. And I saw something inside of Chris Keating ignite. I saw something in my kids this week that ignited. Saw Michaela say, hey, I got to share Jesus twice. I was so scared. I got to see you. I got to see Trey Reamer, Mr. Cool, Mr. Tall, walk around and ask somebody the question, do you know where you're going when you die? He got in a deep conversation. Lucky Sammy the preacher was there to help him out, but he got to start it. He was excited about it. I have a little girl that went to camp this week. I was thinking, well, I don't really know, but it wasn't a choice for her. Dad's going, you're going. Mom said on the way home, she started crying. <laughs> she came and got her early to go with Dwayne and Judy. And she said, Kenzie, what'd you do this week? She goes, Mom, I asked somebody that knew Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and I got to share Guys, that was awesome for her. Do you see why you were created? Do you see why it's so important? 
take the gospel, this book, let the love of Christ shine through you where it affects the world you live in. Be that light he talks about on the lampstand. We've been talking on Wednesday night about being the salt, and that's where that video came from. Man, I need to be salt in my school, but it's so hard. I need to do what anybody else is not going to do. Sammy Knuckles said that he had a little second grader that went to school. He said his kids got it from front to back. He said he's a real evangelist. He said he goes to class and he tells his teacher, Hey, I'm going to share Jesus. And he goes to share Jesus with these little second graders all the time. And he knows how to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. And this one mom called him up one day and said, Do you know your son just led my daughter to Jesus Christ this week in school? Guys, if a second grader can do it, how much can you do it? It's not about who you are. It's about who you know. It's about the belief we have in Jesus Christ. That's what's important. That's what this world can't understand. Because they think it's all bought with silver and gold. But it's not. It was bought on an old rugged cross right here. But the greatest payment, somebody was worth paying for Brent Holloway, a death on this cross. Somebody was worth paying that for you, a sinless person. There's only been one, and he died for you. Got one more scripture. We're getting close. Ephesians. I want you to see the gospel lived out. Paul preached it. Ephesians 3, 1 through 16. Nick, could you come up and read that for me? Yes, please. 1 through 16, please. Oh, 1 through 10, yeah. No. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. That's what I said. Yeah, very good. Here, you ought to be preaching this sermon. I'm telling you, man. All right, go for it, buddy. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following the desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. If it, it is by grace we, you have been saved, and that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms of Je in Jesus Christ. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his king kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace and you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God work, workmanship created in Jesus Christ do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do.
The gospel in a nutshell. Paul gave it. Paul said, hey, this is the reason I met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's changed my life. You need to let him change your life. And he said, we were dead in our transgressions. We were dead to the world, okay? We were dead to God, okay? We were born that way because we made one fatal mistake. Adam and Eve did. They ate of the tree. God told them not to, and it's changed our world. It's changed our nature. And through that, the two words I see up there in verse number one, it says, you were, you were dead. But then down here it says, but God. Brother Dave uses that a lot. But God. But God rescued you. But God gave his life for you. His mercies never cease. There was nothing that we did to deserve it. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, guys, Christ died for us. While I was still dead to sin, Christ died for me. Why there was nothing going on in Brent Holloway's life, he died and said, hey, he's worth because he's my masterpiece. Because he's the one I want to use. He could have took a great big neon sign, guys, and lit it up in the heavens saying, Jesus is the way. But he didn't. He wants to use each one of you to reach one. Each one of you to reach somebody else. It broke my heart. I was with Green School. These are seniors going into senior grade this year. I had eight young, or I had six young men. These young men got real with me this week. We talked about some deep things this week. We spent some time in prayer. Guys, it's not pretty, the family situations they live in. This one boy shed tears. Because he goes, Brent, I know my identity in Christ. When Christ looks at me, he sees Jesus. But I have got two lost grandparents. And I just want enough boldness to go tell them. Because I know they're getting older. And I've got a mom and a dad that need to know Jesus Christ. And I'm here at camp, and I want to know how to do it. Guys, I thank the Lord for that young man. He's got quite a burden to carry. But I said, hey, you might be that only person that can reach that grandma or grandpa. You might be that only person that can reach that mom or that dad. I don't know why God's put you in that situation, but I praise God that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And I said, he will equip you. And I'll pray for you. And if I have to, I'll go visit. But I think God's equipped you good enough to go share. Guys, man, I loved it when we used to do faith. I love it when we go do evangelism. Because so many times, it takes somebody brave to go knock on that door. Once the door opens, a lot of people will talk after that. Hey, we're walking around with a whole bunch of dead people. 
Do you really care? Do you really have compassion? Meet needs and share Jesus. And the last part of this verse, in verse number 10, don't let me forget this. For we are Christ's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do what? Good works. The part of the vine and the branch, guys, I ain't got to produce the fruit. He does it through me. Just by me sharing what he's doing in my life. It happens. It's not that hard. All they have to do is believe and accept. I'm ready to close. I can't change the world. Only you can. I can make a difference in my life, but I can't do it for you. You're going to have to make that decision today. I've been faithful to God's word. I've presented God's word in a way that I think he would like for it. I've done my part. Paul says at the end of Acts, their blood's not on my hands. I gave them what they needed. It was their decision. I'm so thankful God gives us a decision, a choice. Boy, how I want to make it for some people sometimes. But that's not right. That wouldn't be love. How much he loves you and me. And guys, do you understand if we don't make a decision or if we don't share Christ where these people are headed? Be that lighthouse, be that salt. Brother Dave, you'll come forward. We're going to end the service here. You can see why I'm pumped up. As I come forward, one other thing happened at camp this week. Sammy was a pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Benton, Illinois. I don't know if you read the newspaper. Sergio Diaz, a 14-year-old young man, lost his life last weekend. Guys, I thank you for D-Nows. I thank you for youth groups that present the gospel. I thank you for churches that present the gospel. Because that man was at Emmanuel Baptist Church one time and he heard the gospel, was baptized and saved. What a testimony for Super Summer. What a testimony to young kids that think they're invincible. It's not going to happen to me. I'm so young. Guys, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Take your time, train your kids, and get it right. Okay? A lot of times we confuse them with what silver and gold buys, and that's what they need to live for. These cell phones were given up all week long. I got kids that said, hey, Brent, I'd go to Super Summer, but I can't give my cell phone up. We're older. We understand. There used to be life without cell phones. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But how is this generation so distracted? Like I said, these young men got real with me this week. They said, you know, Brent, I can look at porn all day long. It's easy for me. All I got to do is push a button on my phone. Man. You realize what capability these kids got? Access they got? 
They got access to everything. The one thing they most need is access to Jesus Christ and somebody to be their example and encourage them like a Barnabas. Moms and dads, what are we doing? Let's encourage our kids to live for Christ. Let's encourage one another to live for Christ. Let's encourage one another to have compassion because that's how they're going to know we are a follower of Jesus Christ. The compassion is the fruit that we bear. Amen? If you all would stand. Dear Heavenly Father, man, I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited that, man, you changed my life. I'm so excited that you were able to use me in this way this morning. I'm so excited for my kids that got to read the Bible today, for the kids that got to share Christ this week, for being able to be here at this time and this hour to present your message. I don't know what your world has to offer in the next 24 hours, but I know there's some reason that we had the gospel presented. And Heavenly Father, I just pray that we as people would take an examination of our life. What are we living for? What counts in life? Help us to know what we're living for. Help convict us. Help give us a soft heart to follow after you, to have compassion one for another. We just had superhero theme here. Man, how we could be a superhero by just presenting the gospel to somebody, someplace. Changing them from dead to alive. And we can do it because you live inside of each one of us Christians. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.